chiropractic. To get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Welcome into the program. It's, uh, it's a little bit chilly out there this morning. I actually put a jacket on. Didn't leave the house with it on. Had it in the car and then said, hey, I'm going to put my jacket on. And you'll probably wake up feeling a little bit of a chill in the air. And uh, I guess maybe it's time to start taking the air conditioners out of the windows. I try to hold off till October. There's usually that uh, what they call Indian summer. There's usually that that brief period where you get a little bit of a warm-up, a heat wave. But I don't think I'm going to need to turn those on. So I, I've i now made space in a closet just to keep those in. So that I don't have to like go down in the basement and get them when the time comes. And made all the difference in the world because then they're right there. I can pop them back in if we get that heat wave. It's not a big deal. It's not like I put them downstairs and I... You know, put other stuff around them and have to dig them out again. But uh, it also means that I guess sooner rather than later, we'll have to turn the heat on. Not looking forward to that. Kind of like having the $26 a month gas bill. But I guess I'm also paying, you know, pretty hefty electric bill that will go down. So it, it, it evens out for me. Pay a lot of gas in the winter, less electricity. Pay a lot of electricity in the summer, less gas. It kind of all balances out. I think between the two, eh, they cost me around $200 to $250 a month combined. So not not terrible. I'm sure some of you are paying a lot more than that, but you probably have much bigger homes and, uh, and more people in there taking hot showers and utilizing the, the heat or the air conditioning. The other thing that I want to talk about this morning is, uh, well, I definitely want to pick up the conversation we started having in the last hour yesterday, and I think there's a lot more to be said about it, but that we just, you know, ran out of time. And, uh, and, and Chris had some things planned for South Coast now, so he wasn't able to carry the conversation over, but we can certainly pick it up again here today, and that was this push. Well, there's a couple of different initiatives that are being discussed when it comes to what workers in Massachusetts are paid. Uh, one of it is to have a, one of them is to have a $20 an hour minimum wage. Now we've only had the $15 minimum wage for a couple of years now. But we also reported back then that, you know, once the $15 minimum wage was approved that they were already beginning a push for $20 an hour. And in actuality, it kind of is to the point where a lot of businesses that are looking for minimum wage, entry level, whatever you want to call it, positions are already paying around $20 an hour in order to be competitive and to attract candidates for those jobs. So I don't know if that means, well, if it goes up to $20 an hour, you're going to have to pay $25 an hour to be able to get 
folks to come in. And I'm I'm going to just say, I don't know that we need to pay $25 an hour to a 16-year-old kid who's getting coming out of school, you know, still in high school and, and, and getting his first job or her first job. So I think there could be some graduations within the minimum wage plan. But anyway, that's... That's the discussion right now on Beacon Hill. Uh, they had a hearing yesterday regarding it, whether or not to go up to $20 an hour. And, and listen, it could be something that by the time this would go into effect, we could say, yeah, we need that. But I also think, too, it's, it's, it's been a few years of $15 an hour. Let's see if we can... Only a few years of $15 an hour. Let's see if we can uh, get the bigger issues like inflation under control. And that maybe that will help offset some of this. But the other part of it is there's a push to give tipped workers who currently get paid six seventy five for a minimum wage to start giving them... an hour, but also allowing them to keep their tips. And as I said yesterday, I don't know if this is something that's necessary. I get it. Everybody should be able to make the same livable wage. Minimum wage should be a livable wage, at least. I mean, you know, nobody's going to get rich in these minimum wage jobs, but you should at least be able to pay for a roof over your head and food in your stomach. But the tipped workers, and this was pointed out, I I read the quote yesterday, this is pointed out by opponents of this plan, tipped workers very rarely average below minimum wage. Even though they're getting paid $6.75 an hour as a base pay, and they might have a slow day, they're probably still doing better than they would have if they were just getting paid a flat minimum wage. And if they're not, it balances out. They might have a slow Wednesday, but then they're going to work Friday and they're going to make twice as much. And I don't know, I would never want to go to work and walk out of the place making less than minimum wage for that day, whether I was going to make double the next day or not. Like, I just wouldn't feel like it was a worthwhile day if I left the house, went to work, spent eight hours there, and walked out with less than I could have made if I just had a minimum wage job somewhere else. But I'm sure you can kind of adapt yourself into that mindset when you know you're going to be making double or or triple that later on in the week. When I was waiting on tables, a majority of the time... I did much better than I would have if I was in the kitchen. There were very few days that I said, oh, I just should have stayed in the kitchen today. And to be honest with you, even if I did make less than I would have in the kitchen, I probably still wouldn't have said that because I'd much rather be out waiting on tables than in the kitchen. Again, I probably might feel different if it was what I did every day, but it was, you know, I didn't have to wear Stupid cook shirt, dumb cook pants. 
No offense to those of you who wear those every day. I just, I didn't enjoy it. And then uh, I didn't have to stand behind the grill. I worked in a place where we didn't have air conditioning in the kitchen. We only had two windows that opened and you didn't get any airflow. It was not a pleasant kitchen to work in. I mean, at least later on, my second cooking job, we had climate control and all that kind of stuff. So it was a lot easier to deal with. But I would love the opportunity to get out of that kitchen for a day. But I also didn't do it every day. So how would how would tipped workers feel if they were only making minimum wage? If they got $15 an hour but didn't make tips on top of that? Would they still look at that and say, well, it could be worse. It could be behind the grill every day making the same amount. But this is something that I think a lot of people have opinions on. We talked about tipping and people's philosophies of tipping. You know, one caller kind of took me to task because I said that I don't I don't tip if I go to Duncan. It's not entirely true. If I pay for a coffee and it's like 407, I'm paying with a 5 and leaving the change. If I, you know, it, it, usually if it's a between a dollar and a dollar 50, I'm going to leave that. I shouldn't say like 2 bucks or under cuz I don't I don't like change. If there's any coins involved, you're keeping the coins at least. And I've actually had people that like scoffed at that. Comes out to 374 and I give them $4 and tell them keep the change. Oh, thanks. Yeah, but if everybody does that, you're going to be making pretty good extra money on top of the $20 an hour you're getting paid. And by the way, my coffee was cold. That legit happened to me on Sunday. I, I was coming here to do some work, stopped, bought a coffee, paid three seventy four, left the twenty six cents and change. Got kind of a little bit of an attitude about it, and my coffee was cold, so I, I don't I don't feel bad. But the idea. That some restaurants are putting into or the practice, I should say, that some restaurants are putting into place, I think are very is very interesting. Where they are now putting a service charge on the bill, and they put some have different terminology for it: kitchen fee, back of house fee, employee fee, whatever they might call it. But the idea is they're putting a percent, they're they're taking a percentage of your bill. Well, I'm sorry, they're adding a percentage of your bill to your bill, taking that money and dividing it up amongst the staff. They're paying them all a flat rate. I talked to a friend who lives out of state who, who opened up a restaurant conveniently, you know, right before everything got shut down, but was able to survive. And coming out of probably maybe about, well, it was summertime, so a year ago or so, maybe maybe a year and a couple of months, instituted this plan of saying, I'm just going to pay everybody a flat rate. It's not the same flat rate. He's paying some folks, you know, minimum wage, 
the people who are, you know, the bus people, the dishwashers, the people who are just, you know, it's their first job or still in school, paying them minimum wage. If they're experienced cooks, experienced bartenders, whatever, he's paying them a little bit more, you know, salary commensurate with experience. And then he's also charging this fee and then dividing it up equally amongst everybody. So what he does is at the end of the night, he takes that, I forget what the percentage is that he puts on the bills, but let's just say 20%. He takes that 20% and it's a code in the POS system, in the register. So anybody that has access to that POS system you know they they know what that code is they're pressing that code every every time they're they're putting in a check or i think it might add it in automatically but they know they see that code as, as the night goes on so they have a rough idea i don't think they have access to the reports that come out of it but they can see every time they're putting it in watching that number and knowing what they're putting in there and i'm sure some of them probably keep track of their own their you know some of the servers probably keep track of their own checks and say well i know i put this much in but they take, he, at the end of the night, he prints out the cash out report and it tells him what that percentage is, what that total is for, from that percentage. And then he lets everybody that was on shift see that cash out report and says, this is what we're dividing amongst the 15 people that are on tonight. So you can all expect from tonight, you're getting this much extra into your check. And he puts it into their check to ensure that they're paying the taxes on it. And that's how they operate. And I believe, I'll have to ask him, but I believe that they have a way to do it so it keeps track of each person in the computer so that they know what that is. So they can request that report at any time. They can say, hey, can you tell me what I should expect extra in my check this week? But it, he says it's working out phenomenally. Now, he has plans to institute eventually giving his employees health insurance through this, even the part-timers. Um, he already gives them, you know, sick time. He gives them vacation, but they don't, they don't get a lot. I think they can, the most they can get is a week. I forget what the formula is. So you've got benefits already as a result of this, and he's looking to, to add in even more. And to the customer, it's not costing them any more money because you would think the average customer is going to leave a 20% tip. So they're already leaving what they probably would have left. They're not, he didn't have to raise the menu prices. Well, he's had to raise the menu prices, but that's not because of this, because of the cost of things, but not much. You know, he's, he said he's gone up probably, I don't know, five, 10 percent since since he opened. And it's a small place. So it's not like, you know, he has to have a lot of stuff on hand. But then the other interesting thing about it is I said to him, well, 
Do you find then that if they're not, if the empl- if the servers or the bartenders aren't getting tipped, does their performance suffer? Because that's something that that uh, that customers have brought up when they see this plan somewhere. Is they say, well, if I'm not, if they're not working for a tip, then they they don't pay as much attention to the customer. And he said, no, he hasn't heard any complaints about, you know, you still have the occasional people that are going to say, well, this, you know, I've been, I've been waiting too long for this or that, you know, you're always going to get that in, in food service, but there's no real issues with the performance of the people. And he said, what he has noticed is it's far more of a team effort. Now, this is a guy, he used to work with me here when he lived out in Massachusetts. And so he has worked in a lot of restaurants, which is good and bad. And he said, it's, this is the only place he's ever worked at where the servers weren't competing with one another. Like getting upset because, oh, that person got one more table than I did or... Oh, you got them last time. You you took them because you know they're a good tipper and, you know, I want to get them next time. Like, none of that stuff happens. It's a collaborative team effort. And people will, yeah, okay, you're busy. I see your food is ready. I'm not doing anything right now. I'm going to go bring that over to your table. And it's it's far more of a collaboration than it is a competition amongst people who are supposed to be on the same team anyway. So I... I look at that and I look at it here in Massachusetts where it's working at some other places and I wonder, is the whole idea of tips passe? 508-996-0500. I got to take a break. We'll uh, do that and then uh, we'll, if we can squeeze in some calls before the news, we will. And if not, we'll talk to you after that. And welcome back in 508-996-0500. Uh, I believe uh, RJ might have just tried to send in um, an open line voicemail, but it says here on my end, submission unsuccessful. So I don't know if uh, something happened in in trying to send that in, but you can certainly try that again. And if you ever want to send an open line voicemail, you can do that through the WBSM app. You can also send app chat messages as well. And keep that app handy throughout the course of the day because beginning at 8 a.m. and throughout the course of the day, we will be giving you out 10 codes to try to win Trump's money. We give out one code an hour. Every hour, you have the chance to take that code and enter it to, at WBSM.com or on the app to try to win $100 cash. And then you're also entered to potentially win the grand prize of thirty grand. And it's really easy to play. We're still seeing a few people that are sending in the codes through app chat. That's not how it works. If you go to WBSM.com or on the app and you click on Win Trump's Money, it's up in the upper left-hand corner and the upper right-hand corner of WBSM.com, as well as in the contests menu. And when you open up the app, there's a money bag icon in the middle of the screen that says Win Trump's Money. Just press that. Either way, whichever format you use, it's going to bring you to the same page where you can enter in the code hour by hour. So there's a box for the 8 a.m. code, the 9 a.m. code, the 10 a.m. code, and each hour you put it in there. And then when you hit I'm done, it's going to lock that code in and you'll be entered. If you send it via app chat, you're not entered because you're sending an app chat message to me or whoever is in the studio 
and we can't go and put that in for you because you have to be logged into your account entering those codes so that they know who it is that's playing. If you give me the code, I'm going to end up entering it in, and then it goes into my account, and then I'm the winner and not you, although I'm ineligible to win, so it wouldn't work anyway. But that's the way that you have to do it because it's win Trump's money, not win Tim's money. I don't have any. I uh, I spent, spent, I splurged a little bit yesterday. Now I'm broke. So you you want to win Trump's money, not mine. I bought a, a recliner. I'll, I'll tell you about it a little bit later because I'm sure some of you care. But uh, <laughs> it was, it's, it's rare that I buy furniture. It's just not something that I spend money on. I normally like pick it up from the side of the road. So uh, this is a, it's kind of a big deal for me. Anyway, it is time now to go into the newsroom and get all the big stories of the day from Madam Pass. The Hollywood writer's strike is over. The Writers Guild of America says the 148-day strike ended at midnight after the union agreed to a new three-year deal with the major Hollywood studios. The deal would increase minimum pay for writers, raise contributions to health care and pensions, and give bonus residuals based on streaming views. The deal also guarantees that AI-generated content will not be considered source material. A short-term spending bill is advancing in the Senate to avoid a government shutdown. The bipartisan bill will keep federal money flowing until mid-November to give Congress more time for a long-term package. The bill includes more than $4 billion in aid to Ukraine and roughly $6 billion in emergency FEMA funding for disaster relief. It's unclear if the Republican-led House will approve the deal. A deal to fund the government must be passed by the end of the week to avoid a shutdown. Meanwhile, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said it would be very important to have a meeting with President Biden to prevent a government shutdown and address the border crisis. Mark Mayfield reports. McCarthy is hoping to pass a bill that would pair a short-term government funding extension with a pair of border policy changes backed by Republicans and opposed by Democrats. McCarthy told reporters Biden could keep the government open by doing something on the border. The White House, however, says House Republicans need to stick to the funding deal McCarthy and Biden negotiated in May. But conservatives are pressuring McCarthy to pass legislation way below the top-line numbers agreed to in that deal. Congress needs to pass legislation to avoid a shutdown by the end of the week. I'm Me- Mark Mayfield. Meanwhile, Donald Trump and his company are being held liable for fraud in a lawsuit brought by New York's Attorney General. A New York judge ruled that Tuesday, Trump made false claims and misleading valuations for his real estate assets for over the years to secure loans and insurance deals. The ruling was in response to a request by State Attorney General Letitia James seeking judgment on her claims in her civil lawsuit against Trump which is being scheduled to go to trial on Monday. And tonight's Powerball drawing will be for one of the biggest jackpots ever. No one won Monday's drawing for $785 million, so the grand prize has rolled over to $835 million, which is the fourth largest jackpot in Powerball history. In sports, the Boston Red Sox suffered a 9-7 loss against the Tampa Bay Rays last night. The Sox will play the Rays again today at 6.10 p.m. And the Bruins fell to the Buffalo Sabres last night 4-1. The Bruins will play the Philadelphia Flyers on Friday. And now here's your ABC6 local weather forecast.
Wednesday has sunshine all day long, in fact, and it will bring temperatures to top out near 67. For tonight, mostly clear. It is going to be chilly, though, as lows drop in the mid-40s. And for Thursday, another mostly sunny day with a high near 68. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Kelly Bates on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It's currently 47 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Get breaking news alerts. Stream audio. Send us text messages and get live traffic and weather updates all on the WBSM app. Download it now from your app store or at WBSM.com. Welcome back in 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. I feel like I was calling one of those uh, hotlines back in like the late 90s. <laughs> with the, when, uh, I with the... the, when I just got on the phone, it was like, oh boy, man, is that my call the right number yet? That would be, that would be some, that'd be some hold music. I would never want to get taken off hold until it was over. I know. I know. Right. All right. Let me get this straight. All right. Put your seatbelt on. Um, where Beacon Hill's worried about, now I'm not, I'm not saying they're 100% worried about it, but they're talking about raising minimum wage again. Okay. Uh, I think it was a hearing for uh, an organization that's proposing raising minimum wage. Uh, either way, I mean, with the, with the taxpayer is still paying for that hearing to be, to be held. So we're, we're addressing it again, right? And uh, meanwhile, we have. Uh, a state, let alone a country, that's getting overran by illegal immigration. And we're getting, now we're given, we're trying to attempt to give Ukraine another $4 billion in this next package through, through November. I, it's just, is, is this, am I living in like a, a different, like a multi-universe? Like, what do they call that, a multiverse? Mm-hmm. Like, is that what we're living through right now? Because like, I just, I don't, I don't understand what the heck's going on here. Well, you know, I, I, this, ahead, ahead. I mean, we can, we can go back, you know, I don't know when, when did I start doing a Saturday morning show 10 years ago? And, uh, and the same group then raised up Massachusetts was advocating for raising the minimum, minimum wage then. I mean, it's just, it's just what they do. So I don't think any of those other factors have anything to do with, with their fight. I think every time the minimum wage is going to get increased, they're just going to then start the call to have it increased to something else. So, I, I just don't understand, like, you know, this this group, right? Um, they want to advocate to, you know, it, uh, to increase the minimum wage, right? But it took me to go to school to get a CDL to get paid good money to drive a truck. Now, my good money is almost what people are, are going to be making minimum wage. Does that... Do you know what I'm saying? Well, I think groups like this make the mistake of thinking that, well, if we raise minimum wage, then everybody else gets raised up too. Because if somebody's going to get the same money you're getting as an entry-level position, then the company's going to have to raise your pay to, to reflect the difference between the two of you. But in practice, that, that's not what happens. 
that's not what happens. I can tell you firsthand that ain't what happens because when you're working for a small mom and pop, you know, uh, truck driving company, um, they're not going to care what people are getting for minimum wage. They're going to care what's you know they're, what they're, what money they're bringing in, and they're going to they're going to tell you what they can afford to pay you. So you know, let, no matter what, let me let me give you an example of a of a large corporation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Talbots, uh, you know, the last cooking job I had, I was, I worked for a company that, you know, ran the, the Talbots distribution center kitchen. So I didn't work for Talbots, but I was able to kind of see on the periphery what was going on there. And uh, the people would come in and complain to me when they came in to get their breakfast and their lunch. And one of the things that happened was they had to start hiring people at a higher rate in order to get them to come in and start working. And they were hiring people at the same rate that people who had been there for 10 or 15 years were getting. And it turned into a huge thing, and the company basically said, well, if you don't like it, there's the door. Well, I'll tell you right now, Pepsi did the same thing. And I used to work for Pepsi, too, and um, I, I worked there. For, I mean, I, uh, it's a long story, but I, I you know, I, I, worked, uh, I worked there back in 2012 when I got out of the military. And then I ended up doing, worked, worked there for two and a half years, and I went and got my license to drive truck. And that's what, I, that's what I've been doing ever since. But I actually went back the Pepsi to drive truck for them for about four or five years. And, uh, but anyways, long story short, they, they used to have, you know, cost of, cost of living raises every mm -hmm. year. And they would, they would give like a percentage, like a cost of living raise. And, um, a lot of, I know, I know, I know for a fact, because there's been guys that have been working there for 30, 32 years, 33 years. And guys that are walking through the door I'm making the same amount as the guys that have been working there for 32 years because that's just, that's just what's out how they how they operate. You know and, what I mean? and and that just creates animosity amongst the employees. Right. Yeah. It's and there's really nothing you could do about it because I mean, like I said, it's a it's a Fortune 500 company. They're they're not going to care about you know Joe Schmo that's been there 32 years when you know they have uh, uh, over a million employees. Well, and because if they're paying that rate, they know that they can just replace that person with somebody yeah. else and not cost themselves any money to do so. Well, that's the problem, too, you're running into is you can replace them all you want, but are you going to get the quality work nowadays out of these kids? Absolutely not. Don't get me wrong. There are some kids that uh, have good work ethic, you know what I mean? But the majority of them, no. no. And that's the problem this food industry is running into now is, is they're hiring people just to hire people and fill numbers. They're not, they're not hiring people to, you know, please the customer anymore it's 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 sad it really is well i mean i'll be honest too the batting average in in food services isn't exactly you know super high when it comes to how many quality people you're hiring i mean you the problem is you cycle through employees so often and it's you don't know what you're getting it's it's hit or miss and even if somebody was great somewhere else it doesn't mean they're going to be great for you so it's i mean it's it's just always been an industry where that happens it's very it's very rare that you, you know, when we were kids, you probably went to some place and you had the same server for 30 years. It's very rare that that happens anymore just because there's so many options and people are always looking at greener grass. Yeah, it, it, the turnover rate, you know, for everywhere is just high. Even in the trucking industry, the turnover, turnover rate, the turnover rate's unbelievable. You know what I mean? Because you can, you can, you, you know, you talk to a buddy that's working at a different company and all of a sudden he says, oh man, dude, I'm, I'm getting paid you know, crazy amounts of money over here, bonuses and everything else. And you're like, well, I'm not, you know what I mean? And the next thing you know, you're putting in an application at his place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're shifting over all your better, your 401k and everything. You're just shifting it right over. So it's, it's, you're always chasing the dollar, Tim. And that's, that's, that's the problem nowadays is you're always chasing the dollar. And there's no more structure anymore to, um, 
you know, holding a job for, for numerous amounts of years because there's always going to be another job that's more appealing to people. Yeah, but, you know, comfort right. comfort has a value, too. You know, comfort, yeah, peace of does. mind, it does, have a, it does have a value. Yeah, it does. It's a creature of habits, I like to call them, you know. Well, that's but, certainly uh, me, so. Well, listen, um, I think before we uh, start worrying about the cost of living, or oh, the raise, the, advocating to raise the minimum wage, we should be worrying about illegal immigration, and stopping the, stopping the money flow to Ukraine. That's what we should be. That's the top two priorities in this country right now is what we should be worrying about. All right. So, I'll all hold right. you there. Have a good day. Thank you, you as well. And now we got a few more calls here. Let's, uh, let's get those in before we go to take a break. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Good morning. Morning. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I just feel that the people that advocate for minimum wage going up, the same type of people who advocate for they get fooled with the double talk, the Hegelian dialect of uh, million-dollar taxes. Let's let's let's, let's raise the, the taxes on the millionaires and don't realize you're shooting yourself in the foot in the long run because you're going off emotions. They're not well-read, and all you're going to do is put these small mom-and-pop jobs out of business, and everybody's just going to have Amazon, Walmart, and Target to work for, and then you're really going to be crying, you know. And, and they just they everybody's they're just going off emotions. It's um. I work for a small mom and pops company, and I could have made more money elsewhere. But you just said a key word, Tim: comfort. Mm-hmm. There's things that you can't put a price on where I work at. It's so good, and you know we're feeling a little pinch. It's a small mom and pops. We're local, and I love it though. But um, it's the Ameri- it's the American way. But I'm just saying, in the long run, it's, it's the cost of living that we should be fighting against. Why is why is it going up? Because those are adverse effects that are caused by our government. Those are policies, like giving money to Ukraine. It doesn't matter how you feel about it, let's just say, but it's, it's not our business. We don't have the money. Even if we have the goodwill and the good heart and good intent, you got to take care of a home. We're not good yet. If, even if, if, let's, just say, let's just say the way we treat this country, if you were to do this as a parent, people would call DSS on you and take your kids. So, so what's, the, what's, the, what's, what's the difference? The way we're spending money, we're, we're abusing ourselves, you know? And, and I think, you know, trying to come up with solutions that don't address root problems are just Band-Aids. And what happens with Band-Aids, they eventually fall off. Exactly. exactly. And that's all that minimum wage hike is because, okay, I, I'll give everybody 30 bucks, but now I'm going to charge you 50 on this, 40 on this. All I got to do is just raise, you know, and then, and then we're back to square one. But the businesses can't afford the overhead because they get hit with the price, too. And that goes on to the customer. Now less shopping goes. So it's the, it's the, it's the, the tail wagging the dog. And our, our, our officials that are elected, they know this. They're not stupid. A lot of this is done by design, Tim. It's not a conspiracy. Some of this is, you know, and I'm just saying some of it is a just cause and effect, but it is by issues that are done on purposely, knowing that if you, if I tip this domino over, these are the effects. You know, it's, it's, it's foresight, you know. Well, and certainly, you know, you know, elections coming up, so let's put out an issue that's like red meat for voters to make sure that they come out and they vote for the candidates that we want to see get elected. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's, I, it's certainly... It's certainly uh, it's certainly playing the political game for sure. Tim, can I give you an example? Like, mm-hmm. like I think the whole abortion thing, regardless of how the voters, because we're the only ones getting spun around like tops and being emotional over it, right? I'm not even going to tell you where I stand on it, but I'm just going to put, put it to you this way. This is the game. They'll never solve this. 
And then for years, they always talked about immigration reform. Remember that? That was supposed to be before this issue even happened right now that we're going through. They always talked. 30, 30, 30 years. Road. Yeah, 30 yeah, years of talking no, about no why? No, why? Because they know that that that, that gives the, the, uh, the duopoly parties, which is the Democrat and Republican, it's all one big machine. It, it gives them a, vo- a voting base. The same thing with abortions. If they never fix that, you'll always have a politician that gets to say, "Vote for me," and I'll and I'll and I'll fight for abortion. You know what I'm saying? But if you fix it now, they don't have no key issue right. campaign on. To, you know what I mean? The same thing with the immigration. They scare. They scare. You know, conservative-minded people. And and you shouldn't even. You should just love your country. You don't have to be conservative and, and you know or be stamped conservative if you care about the border. Because that, that's another thing that they 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 fool us on and try to shame you and put labels on you and stuff like that just because you're saying close the border, you know? Um, Mm. But thank you for taking my call. All right. You have a great day. You too. And uh, let's uh, get another one in here before the break. You're next on WBSM. Morning, Tim. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, It seems like I always follow John and we kind of sound like, because I know Chris and Marcus always get get us confused. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, So on the... the, the topic that you were talking about, about uh, turnover and how it's affecting companies, um, I see that with the younger crowd. They understand that if, if you stay with a company for a long period of time, you're not going to get the same wage increase as you would if you hopped around every, every five years. Mm-hmm. I hear that with my own kids' friends. They're like, oh, no, don't never stay with somewhere like more than four or five years because that's how you climb the economic ladder. You, you climb the, the economic ladder and, and you get more income if you make the companies compete for your labor. They understand it. And, and that's why a lot of people aren't, um, aren't staying with companies for a long period of time and why, why we have a high turnover rate. And it, I think it's deplorable that, you know, uh, the company that John was talking about, that the, a guy's there for 30 years is getting paid the same rate as, as the guy who's coming in the door. That, well, that's- and and part of it is you got a job somewhere and hope that you could kind of move up the ladder at that job. And then you say to yourself, all right, so I'm starting off as, you know, the entry level person. And my goal is in five years to be the person that's that's running the place. So I don't mind getting in there at entry level at, at $25,000 a year because I know that if I work hard in five years, I'll be making a hundred grand. And then in five years, right. you get that position. But then they say, well, we're going to pay you 35 grand and you should be happy to get it because it's 10,000 more than you were getting. And right. you're like, but I wanted more than that. And then right. you say to yourself, well, then what am I sticking around here for? Yeah. And then, I mean, you just, you go to the next company and hopefully the next company will be like, listen, we're hurting from people too. And you'll get more, more pay down, you know, down in that area. So in regards to the, um, <clears throat> the national debt, I heard somebody chime in about that also. Your, your national debt issue is specifically because We've cut taxes significantly over the last decades, right, since, since Reagan. And we've never cut spending to follow that. To, to follow the amount of money that we cut, <clears throat> the income for your, for your government, that's been cut significantly, but the, uh, the spending never changed. If you did that in your own house, it'd be like, oh, you know what? Instead of working 40 hours, I'm only going to work 20 hours. But I'm going to spend like I still work for 40 hours. This is the problem in this country with, in regards to the national debt. We, we never cut our spending. And the biggest, uh, biggest 
area that we need to cut that will never be cut is your Medicare and your Social Security. Those two are your biggest uh, contributors to the national debt. They're 60% of the budget, and it's uh, non-discretionary spending. It, you definitively have to spend that amount because it's promised to the seniors. That 60% are, are, uh, of the federal government spending is your third rail that nobody ever talks about. And, and that's the reason why we're in the, in the national debt. It's not food stamps. It's not foreign aid. It's not anything. I mean, it's really not other than those two things. And, and if you want to fix the national debt, you either have to raise taxes back to what they were under Reagan, or you got to cut your, your, your Social Security and Medicare. It, it's, that's, that's the two things that you need to do to fix it. All right. Well, thank you for the call. i got to take a break, but you have a good day. And uh, callers, hang on. We will get to you. I do have to take a break. We'll be back in a few. And welcome back in. Say, listen, if you are someone who is waking up this morning and saying to yourself, I just don't feel properly rested. I just don't feel like I'm my best self getting ready to get up and face the day. Well, it could be because maybe you have one of those jobs that we're talking about that you just don't want to go to anymore. But probably it's because your mattress is not giving you your best night's sleep. So what do you need to do? Well, you need to go on over to Worley Beds Factory Outlet on Pope's Island in New Bedford and get yourself a new Made in the USA, Made in New Bedford mattress. Because over at Worley Beds, they're going to be able to find you the bed of your dreams. I know, it sounds like a pun, but it's not. Because they can help get you a mattress that is perfectly fitted for you to make sure that you get the proper night's sleep. So if you want to be able to get that proper night's sleep, just head on over to Pope's Island. Stop on in. You can go in the back and they'll show you exactly how they make all these mattresses so you understand. I mean, you you can't walk into some of these other places and see them actually making the mattresses. So you don't know what's happening with them. You don't know what quality materials they're putting in. You don't know what you're paying for. But at Worley Beds, you do. At Worley Beds, you can see it all for yourself. And when you talk to Patrick, Martha, or the rest of the Worley team, they will make sure that they cater your purchase to make sure it works for you. So visit Worley Beds Factory Outlet on Pope's Island in New Bedford or visit them online at whirlybed.com and I promise you you will wake up feeling like oh man, that was the best sleep I've ever had. I still can't guarantee you're going to want to go to that job. That's on you. But at least Worley Beds can help you with the other part of it. All right, I do have to take one more break. We'll be back in a few. Um, All right, that